Hello again, and good afternoon. Uh, my name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. Uh, I, I started the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint to raise awareness about the issue of restraint and seclusion that's happening in schools across the nation. Our mission is to educate the public and connect people together who are dedicated to changing minds, laws, policies, and practices so that restraint and seclusion are reduced and eliminated in schools across the nation and beyond. Our vision ultimately is to see safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. So today, I'm excited to have a, another very special guest. We have Lori Kirkland joining us today for a special interview. We're going to be taking your questions during the interview today. So if you have any questions, feel free to put those in the chat and we will try to get through those throughout the interview. I do want to let you know also that all of our interviews are recorded. So this will be available on Facebook, YouTube, and as an audio podcast after the recording today. So we encourage you to share those with other parents, other advocates, other teachers as well. So let me go ahead and bring Lori up to join me here on the screen. So uh, Lori, um, oops, and I seem to have lost her video here for a second. So let me see if I can bring her video back. Oops, Lori, we seem to have lost your video. Can you hear me, Lori? Okay, sometimes with live streams, things uh, things go wrong. So we'll see if we can bring Lori back here in just a second. But let me tell you a little bit about Lori while we are trying to bring her back online. Uh, oops, okay, so she should be joining us again in a second. Lori is actually a third grade teacher and advisory lead at the Metropolitan School District in the Lawrence Township of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, she's held num numerous positions in her 25 years of teaching, but her heart and passion have always been working directly with and advocating for children. Uh, Lori has had the opportunity, and I think she's just joined us again here, so let me bring her back and add her to the screen. So Lori, I was just introducing you, you're, you're right on time. You know, I, I occasionally- Things happen, right? Uh, and, and I just had mentioned that uh, you were a teacher and uh, was going to mention that you've been uh, doing some work with Dr. Lori Desitels. And today we're going to be interviewing you and talking about your career as a teacher, uh, the things that you've been doing with Dr. Desitels, and uh, just sharing a bit about your experience. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Again, I'm not an expert, but I love just talking about teaching and what we're doing because I'm passionate about it. So thank you. Well, you know, I, I've heard really amazing things about you. So I would say uh, the amazing uh -huh. things I've heard in the 25 year career that you are absolutely an expert. <laughs> and, and part of our mission here is to really share with others, you know, whether they're, they're teachers that are getting into the field now or, uh, you know, people working in other school districts across the country, you know, what are some of the things that people are doing and how are they finding success in the classroom? So why don't you tell us, so how long have you been teaching? Well, I actually, I need to um, tweak that. I realize I've been in the field uh, 28 years. Go figure. <laughs> um, so I graduated in 93. So I have been a classroom teacher. I've taught first through fourth. And I've been a um, reading recovery teacher. And I've been an interventionist. And I have been a, um, um, a coach in the district. So I've kind of covered the bases and kind of on my way, ready to let the new teachers come in and take over. So we're looking for retirement in the next four years or so when I get my That's baby right. girl out of college. Yeah, yeah. And, and before you do, though, uh, you have an opportunity to, to impact uh, new teachers that are coming in. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's always important because I think sometimes when people get started in a career, it's important to have 
mentors and people that can kind of help them and share with them things that have been successful. So uh, I'm sure you're going to be busy these these next yeah. few years. Yeah. Um, so thinking back, I mean, what what brought you to teaching? What was it about teaching that really interested you? And why did why have you dedicated your career to it? You know, I have always loved teaching. I remember I have a, a little brother, a younger brother, six years younger. And I just remember when we were in elementary school, just in the basement showing I had a chalkboard and I just pulled it up and showed him how just I'm going to show you how to do this. Um, and then when I got out of high school and that's just something I have always wanted to do to connect with kids and to help them and show them and learn from them as well. Um, that there is a better way, no matter what kind of, um, because I, I also tend to, um, the kids who are in poverty or struggling, those are near and dear to my heart. All children are special, but really the ones that have those additional struggles. And so I've just always wanted to give them um, that this is a roadmap. There's a roadmap. There is a way you can do, um, make good and make a way for yourself with education. Um, and the social emotional piece, mm -hmm. feeling good about themselves and building that confidence in them. Mm -hmm. So that's always been important to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's so critical. You know, you, you had a couple of things that you said that kind of struck, you know, struck, struck something with me. One is that, you know, I think about my daughter who is now 11 and, uh, you know, she was always the, you know, she'll probably be a teacher at some point because <laughs> I remember her very young with her little teaching kid and she'd be, you know, teaching her brother or whoever would sit in front of her to listen. So, uh, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that says something. I mean, that, that says something to me, you know, whether it was your experience or the experience of kids today is that when you see a kid that's modeling that as an interested in that, that that's hopefully a sign that somewhere along the way, whether it's been a parent or someone else, they've had a good teacher. They have someone that inspired them. Um, do you think back to, to when you were in school about teachers that, that helped you or inspired you? You know what? I'm glad you asked that because I was just thinking that that was important to me, too, is that I always wanted to have a um, leave, have an impact on children be and have an and make a good impression. Because um, when I think about my own elementary school years, I don't remember any teachers. I don't know whether that's good or whether that's bad. Um, but the one person who got me to become a teacher who, who really um just started that with me when I was young was not even my own classroom teacher. It was my brother's kindergarten teacher. And it, so again, I never had her. It wasn't the academic piece. It was the, the relationship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the way that she treated my brother and myself. And mm -hmm. that was, and then just seeing how she interacted with the children that Mrs. Reinhardt rest in peace. That is the person who had started this passion for me. Mm -hmm. Well, so you I know, do that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the relationship piece and and, and people that have watched uh, this before probably heard me say, you know, I often talk about, uh, you know, my three R's of an education and, and my three R's are relationship, relationship, relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, it's so critical. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I love yeah. the work that, that you've been doing. In fact, uh, we had a, somebody special just join our, our stream here. And, and that is Dr. Lori <laughs> Patels. So sh she's watching live. And we'll be talking a little bit about her work and your work with her as well here in a few minutes. But I think I'm that's really <laughs> a key point on relationships. So really excited to, to talk about that. Now, thinking back through your career, you know, mentioned a couple other things that were really interesting. One is 
you talk about kids that, uh, and, and I'm trying to think of the words that you use specifically, but you know, kids that have come from difficult situations or maybe have a traumatic background, and and you know that 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 really resonates with me because we we absolutely see when we look at what's happening in education that kids that are coming from backgrounds that are very difficult that have trauma in their their history, mm -hmm. uh, these are kids that are being disproportionately restrained, secluded, suspended, expelled, having right. a lot of discipline. And of course, that can lead kids down this kind of idea, this the school to prison pipeline. Mm -hmm. And 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 there are so many kids that really need help. And and, and I really want to dig into that as we go a little bit further. Um, but but how did that interest really come about with you in terms of um, you know helping kids that, that really, really needed that kind of stability and help? Well you know, partly it was just my life living around having relatives, cousins, what have you, friends who I saw go one way and other friends who would go another way. Um, and then the difference that it could make. And I came from, you know, poverty myself. And again, that teacher, Mrs. Reinhardt, just her showing me and, and building that relationship and showing us kindness just ignited that passion with, with me. So therefore, I wanted to do the same. When I went to school, um, I went graduated from IUPUI, go Jaguars, and we did our student teaching in IPS. And I wanted to teach where there was, I felt, a, a big need, especially with children, black and brown children, because a lot of times they had, especially our black boys, they really had to struggle. And I had my own students who, once I did start teaching, um, they've struggled. I've had students who have been in and out of jail. I've had students who, you know, have been found, you know, dead because they were, you know, whether it was a drug issue or something. I've also had students who have, you know, who have ended up becoming wonderful parents and, and um, they've been wonderful, um, make contributions to the community, police officers, attorneys, whatever. So that was my passion is I want more of the ones who feel good about themselves, who are giving back to their communities, who are really, um, they are also contributing to their community that's what I want. And so instead of sitting back and letting someone else do it, I want to be a part of that mission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That yeah, was important to me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I'm I'm going to predict that there are kids that are going to look back and remember your name uh, as somebody that's really helped them to. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I'm sure that's, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's really difficult. I mean, you know, you mentioned some some real tragedies along with the success, um, but but it's so important to keep going, I guess, regardless of, mm -hmm. of you know, um, and I guess that's probably got to be hard for you knowing that, you know, you can make a lot of effort in, in helping kids, but um, you know, you, you can't always affect every child's life. Um, you know, it's but very, it is, in, but you know what, it, it's, it's, it's something that it, you know, I understand what this means. And so it's very important that I put my time and energy into this because mm -hmm. it is, it is a, a, it can be a, a heavy burden mm -hmm. and I don't want to look back and have any regrets that I let any student down mm -hmm. intentionally. Did mm -hmm. I give my best? So mm -hmm. that's what I need to do. And I know the first part of that is building those relationships and mm -hmm. that social emotional piece. And that's why I was so happy that I connected with Dr. Lori, because this just opened up that door to do even more mm -hmm. and gave me even more tools to help me build those relationships and to show children how to start to be able to control their own 
um, brain states. Mm-hmm. So that's really yeah. important. And the importance of the, the adults as well in, in mm-hmm. having a healthy brain state and, and man, managing your own difficulty. Right. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But uh, let me just ask you, you know, you've been teaching for 28 years. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the corrected number now. Um, and um, that's a long time. How has education changed over those years? You know, okay. you, you strike me from the conversations we've had, not just this one, but previously, as someone who continues to come to work and is excited about helping kids and supporting kids. And, and let's face it, we've, we've all met people that by the end of their career, they're, they're feeling burnout and overwhelmed and, and whatnot. So, you know, how, how have things changed and how has that affected your career? Okay. And let me, let me be perfectly transparent. It is not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns and I go to my amygdala and lose it at times. Right, and right. I really care about the kids. The way I think that it's changed, to be honest, and this is just my experience, the difference has been um, the level of support at home and because um, in, in parent interaction, um, a lot more of the kids now than before are, are having to be more independent earlier more sooner. So what I found is that it's been difficult for kids. They come from home where they're in charge and they're um, have to be independent, find something to eat, you know, take care of baby brothers or sister or whatever. And then we come and I have them, they come into school and they're expected to be, you know, to follow directions and to do this and do that. And to have to make that switch, it's hard enough for an adult to do, but for the babies to do, the young ones to do. So I think that's probably been one of, um, that's been probably the biggest difference um, and even more so of a reason to really build those relationships. It used to be maybe more building a lot more relationships with the families and the adults the, in their lives. But a lot of it is the kids. No, I'm talking about even from first, second on up, not just middle school or the sixth graders. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about in order to get the kids to really to try and to um, put in the effort it's building that relationship with them to even care. I mean, I've got kids that, you know, have had to teach them how to turn on the alarm so they could get themselves up to get to school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, whereas 28 years ago or whatever, when I first started, it was, you know, mom and or dad or both would be getting the kids up and getting them to school. And yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think that's yeah. been a big part of it. Yeah, you, you know, you, you, meant, you kind of talk about that from an interesting direction. And, and that's the fact that, um, you know, I, I often hear things from, you know, people in and outside of education, but talking about how, you know, kids are more, um, there, there are more behaviors, there are more difficulties there. But but one of the things that, that you've talked about that many don't seem to get is the the additional difficulties on the children, you know, the, you know, I mean, again, having those stable, supportive relationships is is really critical. Um, And, you know, you're, you're talking about very young kids that are expected to um, do things that are are really probably outside of the child's really state of of where they should be. And that that really puts a, a different look at things when you're looking at the pressure on the child, not just that the you know, it, it's a matter of the child's behavior. I mean, this is a child that might not have the support that they need to be doing well. And I think that's where um, it's important to as adults in the in their lives 
that we had that perspective. For instance, I, I never had to do that. I had, you know, my parents got me up, got me ready for school, made sure I had everything I needed. But I have to look at that from their lens and become aware of what's going on in their lives before they walk in the door. I make sure that I'm aware of and I can look at the kids and, and what kind of brain state are they in? You know, mm-hmm. that's even more so. It used to be maybe one or two. You know, kids might come in upset. Now it could be, you know, all of them, the majority of my kids, something happened in the neighborhood, mm. you know, and where I am, there's more, um, you know, violence, there's more danger, there's more things that are going on in there, in the area that I teach in now. And so our children are coming a lot, uh, coming to school with a lot more um, trauma and PTSD. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, let's transition into talking about the work that you've done with Dr. Lori Desatel. So for those of, uh, of our audience that might not be aware, uh, Dr. Lori Desatel is a professor at Butler University. Uh, she teaches a um, program in applied educational neuroscience. Um, she comes from a special education background uh, as an actual teacher and, and still spends a lot of time in the classroom. And, and that's where we're going to connect to your story here in a second. Um, but a lot of what Lori focuses on, I think about her books and, and her latest book, uh, Connections Over Compliance, really resonated with me from the moment I saw the title because so much you can look around and see what's happening in, in many uh, classrooms around the country where people are kind of coming from that compliance mindset. It's all about, you know, I'm the educator and you will comply with what I say. It's not that connection and relationship and understanding. And, and, and Lori's work is really amazing at kind of uh, bringing to the forefront uh, some of the neuroscience, some of the connection, the way the brain works, the way that we regulate. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've really learned a lot from, from Lori's work. Um, but, you know, you've had a chance to get to know Lori, not only from her work, but also work with her in the classroom. So can, can you tell us how that came to be? Um, how did you uh, get the opportunity to uh, work with Dr. Desatels? Well, actually, we are so um, lucky that we get a chance to our township, Lawrence Township, um, has partnered with Dr. Lori. So we're very lucky in that. And then even more so at my specific school, Harrison Hill, Dr. Lori was going to be partnering with a fourth grade teacher. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, well, let me see if I can get some time and just kind of run by, just pick her brain because I had a student that I was really concerned about. And I started talking to Dr. Lori, she came by, met the kids, all of a sudden, the next thing I knew, we were partnering and she was partnering with the fourth grade as well. So I know she didn't, I don't know if I, if I hooked her or she hooked me or we hooked each other, um, but it ended up that we were going to partner for the first semester and it just worked out that she came in and has been fabulous and not just the kids learning, which they have learned, I mean, for third grade, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but it's just been phenomenal. But also as an educator of 28 years, just learning and putting vocabulary to maybe a lot of the practices that we had already been doing, but then she's Mm -hmm. validating it, but then I'm learning additional tools. So it's been really great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the work is really amazing. And, and I know that as I've dug into work from from Lori Desatels or, or Dr. Ross Green or others, you, you begin to connect with the pieces that you're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that that's kind of a, like what I've done in this context. And, and I think that a lot of people that really get it, if, if we can define what it is, yeah. are people that are applying some of these things without even, you know, perhaps knowing the why, but you've seen the results. 
Um, so let, let's talk a little bit. I mean, you know, this is when we talk about what Lori does, it's um, applied educational neuroscience. And neuroscience sounds like uh, you should be ready for brain surgery. <laughs> but, but let's talk about w- what does it really mean, neuroscience in terms of a classroom? What, what, is, what, is, what are you and Lori doing to kind of bring brain science into your classroom, both with working with students and, and with staff. And, and let me just back up real quick. I just I have to give her a shout out because there are so many people, authors and who will write these books and she's the Ph.D. and all of this. But what I so appreciate and I've said many times and I will say the watered down, not watered down, but I will say the appropriate version. She I love the fact that she is going to come into the classroom and come into the trenches with us to make sure that what she is writing and and it's supported and make sure that it's working. And, and then it's so willing to tweak what maybe it's not. And so the neuroscience piece from my perspective is just how do how does the brain affect the emotions and the children's learning but not just that teaching the children to understand how their brain works and how it controls their body and the brain and the body are connected um and be, in the beginning you're like okay yeah sure these kids are going to learn about amygdala and you know they're going to learn about the hippocampus and the hippopotamus they were saying at the beginning <laughs> um, you know and the prefrontal cortex they get it. And even our first and second graders. And the one thing I love about Lori is that she's not talking down to it, but she's making it to them, but making it age appropriate. And so that they are understanding what it is that she's explaining about the brain and how it can affect and how they can use what they are learning to control their impulses, their emotions, and to regulate it. (laughs) And it's really been powerful. It truly has been powerful. So, so what does that look like when you're teaching a, a third grader, fourth grader about their brain? I mean, how do you explain to them the amygdala or the mm-hmm. frontal cortex? Uh, how, how do you actually explain that to your students? So what we did and what Lori came in, uh, lots of, you know, visuals. Um, the kids even made, we, we actually honestly showed them, she showed them an actual brain and we should not an actual brain, but on T on, on PowerPoint, we show, yes, yeah. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not that real, but a brain bank. So mm-hmm. they could see where the brain, we explained to them that, you know, these are donated or whatever, but then we also, um, lots of video, lots of, um, they made an actual cutout. She cut out some shapes of their brain. And then we just, and we talk about the different three now, and again, it's age appropriate. So we thought, talked about the three main parts for this grade level. So the amygdala and what happens at the amygdala and that that affects, you know, your emotions and your impulse, the hippocampus where your memory is, and then the prefrontal cortex, which is where it's happening. That's where you want to be most of the time. So talking about it, acting it out, showing. So if this person is in their amygdala, what do you think they are? What does it look like? How does their body look like? What does your body feel like? I mean, just really showing them, talking to them, having them um, connect different times. When have you felt like this? Has anyone felt upset or, uh, you know, someone's made you angry or you're, you're, you know, you maybe you've gotten into an argument with your, your parents or with a peer, what happens? Oh, my palms are get sweaty. I start shaking. That's the amygdala, you know, just doing that. And we front loaded it. So it took a little bit more time at the beginning when she first started to come in. Um, the lessons were a little bit longer because we wanted them to understand and showing them videos and talking about it. Um, 
And then as we went on, because I didn't want teachers to think, you know, oh, we've got to set aside half an hour, 45 minutes, but we've got academics to do. So now it's, you know, about 15 minutes, but it's interwoven throughout the academics. We'll be reading a book and the kids will say, oh, they're in their amygdala. They need to do some breathing so they can get back to their final. Yeah. So we have really worked together. And then Lori coming in once, twice a week. And doing exercises and really showing them some breathing exercises and things that they can do to help to regulate their brain state. So that's that, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, as you're talking that through, you know, I, I've been on this journey for the last couple of years related mm-hmm. to restraint seclusion, but it, it's so much broader than that. It's not just restraint, seclusion, suspension, expulsion. It, it's things that are being done to kids instead of working with kids and supporting them. And, and a lot of it comes down to the approaches that are taken. You know, again, going back to kind of the compliance-based approaches. And, and one of the things that I think I've learned that's had more impact on me probably than anything else is really about that brain science. Because right. as you begin to understand the brain science, you begin to understand where things go wrong. And if you begin with a a child that has a trauma history, knowing that they might be hypervigilant, knowing that they may be have a, a heightened sense of fight or flight, um, you begin to understand the importance of of helping them to regulate and helping them to cool down when their amygdala is, 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 is kind of becoming on alert. And, and to me, that knowledge, every teacher across the country should have that basic knowledge of neuroscience because what happens often is when a child becomes dysregulated and they begin to escalate, you know, what happens in a classroom sometimes is that additional demands are placed on the child, but they're no longer even communicating with their frontal cortex. They are not hearing you. The ear canals are tightening. All these things are happening. But but how many times have you seen an adult that doesn't know that that is continuing to and you know raise their voice? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like so, the Charlie so Brown sound. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So so how have you found not just with the kids? So the kids becoming aware of their brain state is phenomenal because I think that's an important thing for all of us. For all, I mean, I can look back on you know, I mean, I. I was fairly old before I understood any of these things, but looking back now, I, I can understand the things that I learned along the way. I mean, I have a son who's autistic. He's a great kid, mm-hmm. but early on, I, I had to learn that it was really important for me to be regulated if I wanted to help him regulate. It was very important to have the calming voice. It was very important to do things to help. I didn't know why it was important, but as you begin to understand that brain safety, so how have other staff and teachers responded to this because it really can be something that perhaps somebody isn't familiar with. And you know what? And I think that, um, again, it was the fact that Lori is willing and um, able to come into the building and to help that has helped a lot. Um, the teachers actually seeing us put these into place and seeing that she is working with our kids and these are our children and seeing these that the children actually put these practices into place has made them believers. But then we're also utilizing the strategies. <laughs> so we talk and that's one thing that Dr. Lori has made it. She's really stressed that that it's not just about the children's brain state, but also the adults in their lives brain state and that we can't, and if we're not regulated, that we can't help them to regulate and made us aware of that and what we can do to regulate ourselves. And so it's kind of been, especially for me as a classroom teacher, it's been a journey of learning along with the children and to Mm -hmm. see these, these 
um, tools and these strategies really work. So I think mm-hmm. that that's made a difference. And the one thing I love too about Dr. Lori is that she hasn't just stuck around. She started with third and fourth, but she's doing first grade now and sixth grade. So she's run the gamut here and able to mm-hmm. tweak the strategies and the tools based on the level of the child. And the teachers can see her actually doing it with the, her with the kids and then the kids are asking about it or and, and i'll just be honest I, i'm telling you i'm a very you don't well you know you see me i can get very animated and i might go to my amygdala sometimes and i i will let me just tell you a real quick story i am deathly afraid of spiders there is a spider in the classroom unbeknownst to me I didn't know anything about it other than it was big it was hairy I was screaming (laughs) I jumped up on a chair went straight to my amygdala yes you all can judge me if you want to went straight to my amygdala (laughs) another teacher came over killed the spider and the spider was pregnant hundreds of baby spiders went everywhere I lost my mind do you know that my third grade babies and I'm just so thankful that there was no cameras around they were like, breathe, Mrs. Kirkland. Uh, understand, I'm up on the chair. They're looking up. Breathe in, Mrs. Kirkland. Out. You're. Come on. You got to get back to your prefrontal. So the kids. It was wonderful. They are in like. They are taking these strategies. They're taking these strategies home to families. To you know, you have parents, especially with the pandemic, that are stressing. Parents have reached out and said, reached out and said, thank you. They helped me with my breathing. They are using these strategies. These are real life strategies that these kids can use and use for themselves as well as the adults in their lives, meaning the teachers, too. And sometimes that, that, the kids need that, to remind that, us. Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're making changes that it can affect. Having the, the effect back on you. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'll admit to you that I'm, I'm about six one and I'm not a little guy. I have a little fear of spiders too. So <laughs> I, I can feel, I can feel it for you. Uh, I'll be have to call my, my son in to take care of the spider for me. Uh, so we have a couple questions. Hey, I don't know if I'm breaking up or you, can you hear me? Cause I can't hear your. Up. Oh, um, I can hear you. Um. Hold on. Okay. It looks like our it's signal freezing strength, a little bit. Yeah, our signal strength seems to be a little low. Um, and I'm not sure if that's me or you. Um, all right. Hold on. Let me let me see if I can check. Okay. Check into this real quick and okay. see if this is something we can rectify. Um And let me know if I need to get our IT guy. He may still be around. I can <laughs> text him if I need to. Yeah, and it looks like I might be having a little issue on my end with the internet speed uh, for some strange reason. Um, and I hate to disconnect here. Uh, let me see if I can do anything to fix this. Live yeah. live tech support, right? I love uh, it. I'm going to kill my video. Yeah, I'm going to kill my video here for a second. And... Okay. Um, can you hear me better now? I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Okay. But you can't see me, but you can hear me. Okay. But I can hear you. Yes. It's not okay. delayed. Uh, anymore. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and talk without a, without a face right now uh, and see if okay. this, this problem fixes itself. Um, a couple questions that we had. Uh, one from uh, my friend Gail in Australia. Uh, she says, I'm interested in how this amazing work is delivered, adjusted for our kids' challenge with an intellectual disability. So do you have experience working with kids that have disabilities? And if so, um, how have you found that this approach can, can work with kids like that? Oh, yes. <laughs> we run the gamut okay. here. Um, so our babies who are who have challenges, what we've done, if we need to, is we meet, maybe we have additional visuals for them. Maybe anywhere it can take anywhere from five to five thousand experiences. Um, we do a lot of um, partner working. Um, so the and you'll. One thing that I love about the, just the building the relationships and is that the kids will support each other. So the babies who maybe are have you know some intellectual challenges, challenges or behavioral challenges, they are the other kids are helping each other. Um, if I need to put things, we've made video clips with Dr. Lori or ourselves. Um, even as far as across the school, they have made um, little, we have announcements that go, that are, we run um, three days a week, that the kids are, you have first graders who are making the little um, commercials for um, how to use some of these strategies. So whether it's, um, if they need something tactile, we'll use some of those things. Dr. Lori's been wonderful. Um, she's gotten like, um, they made amygdala bags, which they are amygdala reset bags, which they could have. We made taught them how to make um, what do you call it? The stress balls out of yarn. And then we put like little lavender, the little scents on there. So whatever we've done and, and a, a lot of it with Dr. Lori and, and, and if you've read her book, if you know, it's it's not just we we try to encompass the senses, you know, whether it's tasting, it's hearing, it's touching, a lot of the body movement. So whatever it takes to kind of help the kids to understand how their brain Okay. Um, I, I lost you there for one second, um, oh, but I think I got your response. Can you hear me okay? okay. I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. Um, oops, that was not the one I wanted to bring up here. Uh, let's see. Here it is. Um, a couple other. What's that? No, I just said that was, I just saw that they were just commenting on how you, yeah, connected with your son. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw a couple other great comments here that wanted to hit. Um, and uh, let me see where that is. Um, somebody else was commenting on how, you know, uh, drawing the brain uh, was really helpful. And it sounds like you've done a lot of those things in the classroom. So yeah. um, how has that, you know, how have those, how have, how have the activities that you've done where you are making people more aware of their brain and their brain state, um, how was that translated for you uh, as people become, as the kids become more aware, um, are you finding that that translates into uh, things that may have been, um, you know, escalating behaviors before into uh, children that you're able to have a conversation with or help before they get fully escalated? So how has this translated into differences within your classroom as the kids begin to learn these strategies? So I can tell you, um, 
I have to share this. Uh, this was one of my, oh, wow, um, this really works. I had a student who had um, some be lots of behaviors, you know, um, issues in the past. And, um, but there's a lot of, um, she's going through a lot, has a lot of baggage and things that are going on as far as at home. She's one of these babies who has to, you know, get her mom works, you know, at night. She has to, doesn't, um, doesn't have real great attendance because she's, you know, mom doesn't wake up and they don't get over to school. Um, <clears throat> can, can be a little rough around the edges as Dr. Lori says. She came in one morning late. Um, and again, this is a pattern. And we were in the middle getting ready to transition into math. And um, she came up and said, and again, we're giving them the tools to to advocate for themselves if they feel like they are um, starting to get into, you know, one of those states and get, you know, emotionally um, disconnected and dysregulated. So she came up and asked if she could come and um, take a break and we have a calming area. And so my mind, I'm thinking, oh, yeah, right. She's just wanting to get out of doing this next assignment. But I thought, again, this is what we're teaching them to do, to be assertive, to advocate for themselves. So I'm like, OK, sure, go ahead and do it. Um, so she goes to the calming area as I'm getting the kids ready and starting my math lesson out of the corner of my eye. I see her go back over to her desk. Now I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, she's getting ready to go over here and have an altercation with the person who would kind of push one of her peers. But she goes over. She grabs her math um, materials, takes it back to the calming area and is doing the work with us as we're doing it. And I'm thinking, OK, we get done and we're transitioning, lining up to go out. And she just kind of eases up to me as we're lining up and just says, Mrs. Kirkland, thank you for letting me take a break. My brain feels a lot better. My heart needed that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and again, you all have to understand the baby's week. I mean, just her initiating that, I immediately called or texted Dr. Lori and I was like, this shit works. I'm sorry. I just had to say it. It works. You, 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 it, it, you've got me. I'm hooked. And even if it was just one child, but there have been other children who, again, they help each other and they help themselves. And again, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm hearing from families that they're helping, you know, a little girl had to watch her dad get taken to jail. And she said, uh -huh. I helped my mom you know, to calm down. Miss Kirkland, she was in her amygdala and I was too, but I got, I did the breathing and got calmed down so I could help her get calm. Like you go girl. Yes. That's what you do. That's why we're giving you these strategies and they're sharing their amygdala reset bag things at home. I mean, it, that's how it's translating, but not just that. It's also, you're going to get me excited now. It's also the academic piece. Because when we're talking and when we're reading about literature, the kids are connecting it and making connections and understanding what we're reading even better and showing that empathy because they're understanding where the characters are coming from because they can understand, oh, they're in their, amyg uh, their amygdala. Oh, they need to work more because it isn't in their hippocampus yet because they haven't worked enough yet so that they can memorize. I mean, you know, now granted, it's not like I said, it's not perfect, but they are trying and they have 
it's given them more power and empowered them and given them the vocabulary to use and to express the way that they feel. I notice kids calming down more quickly. Students, I've had a, today, I had a student. This student in the beginning of the year would have run down the hallway and we would have been doing an all call and, you know, finding him or he'd been tearing things up. He just went over and stood at the door, but he, I could see he's doing his breathing mm -hmm. and he got himself back. And so less instructional time is lost. Mm -hmm. yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, yeah no, no, but, but that's a really <laughs> important thing because, because sometimes what you Ooh. hear is we, we don't have time to learn new things because right. we're so busy. We're going to lose instructional time. But, but, you know, what, what I've seen to, to gather from people like you and, and people like Dr. Desatels is that by implementing these things, yes, there's a little bit of a, a learning curve up front, but in the long run, okay, I'm, I'm you're you frozen again. I'm sorry, guy. I don't hear you. I mean, I can't hear you. You hear me now? You hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay. You, you know, uh, all these that I've ever done, I've never okay. had this kind of internet problem. So, uh, you okay, know. Okay, no problem. Um, but you're Comcast, right. Yeah. Comcast is not doing me well today. Uh, <laughs> what I was going to ask is you to talk a little bit more about kind of that objection where people say we don't have time to learn. Um, I mean, it sounds to me like ultimately you're saving time once you right. begin to get some of these strategies in place. Is that Would that be your experience? I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, and again, I felt this pressure. And again, as you know, in third grade, I don't know how it is in other states, other countries, but here in third grade is where they start taking standardized tests. So third grade, they have to take I step and they have to, or excuse me, I learn and I read. Um, and so we there's, you know, you feel that pressure. We've got to get our babies ready. But what I found, and at the beginning of the year, it's like, okay, we got to do reading, read math, we got to do, you know, social emotional, we got it writing, we've got, you know, all of these things, social studies, science. But we had this was important when we, when you start to see the impact that it can make, and then how the children, you're not always the one having. I found out I'm not the only one that is have um, having to be in control or to problem solve. The children are able to, first of all, work on regulating themselves, but then they're also willing and able to help regulate each other and to diffuse some situations before they may actually begin or pop off and, and become full blown. Um, whereas I'm able to get more instruction done. Mm -hmm. And the kids are able to not just that, but again, like you talked about the difference between complying, um, compliance and engagement. So yeah, the kids might even be in here, but if they're in their emotional corner, they're not really um, engaged. You're, they're just going through the motions. The kids are more engaged because they're also aware and they may not even have to get up. They are able, they may not even have to go take, um, go to a calming area. They can just do some of these strategies at their seat. If they feel like they're starting to get upset, they're maybe thinking about something that's going on, on at home. Maybe they haven't gotten enough sleep. They're able to just um, 
utilize these strategies and also able to advocate for themselves and tell me what it is that they that they need. I had a little girl today that told me that she hadn't gotten a lot of sleep because mom is getting in late and they had to get up at three o'clock in the morning. But, you know, she was able to tell I'm just really tired. I let the, I let her go take a half an hour nap, you know, because then she was like on on it the rest of the day. But mm-hmm. she needed before. And I'll have to say this years ago or even a couple of years ago last year, that would have just been a behavior problem, mm-hmm. you know, because they wouldn't have been able to verbalize what was wrong. Mm-hmm. There's so much good coming out of this. I mean, as you told the story, the thing that, that resonated with me about, you know, your kids is that they're they're actually becoming more empathetic towards others. So mm-hmm. as they begin to realize the effect the amygdala might have on them when they become dysregulated, they understand what's happening with other people. So here's another student becoming dysregulated. They understand why that's happening and what that that person needs Mm -hmm. to help them. And and I think that's so important. I mean, two really critical things. And and there was a comment I'll bring up here as well. But the self-advocacy part of this, Mm -hmm. you know, encouraging the kids to develop these self-advocacy skills, Mm -hmm. to tell you how they're feeling, to share with you why they're having a difficult time, and then listening. And and I think that this approach that you're taking here really builds those skills. Mm It helps to build, you know, uh, the sense of empathy within children, and and you know, ultimately, we're we're raising we're, we're raising uh, better human beings, right? We're re- raising people that are listening and mindful. Uh, I mean, it's really really um, amazing to hear you share these stories. Um, mm-hmm. So, Can I just say real quick too, because yeah. I just saw that comment when I was growing, when I was coming up. I'm 58, and I'm not ashamed to say it, but we in our school we had. Um, you know, our babies who had um, intellectual um, concerns or challenges, um, babies with um, special needs, they were all in a different room somewhere. We, When I was coming up, they weren't, we weren't all in a classroom together. What I, what is so important to me and what is beautiful about this. I have always been about inclusion, but what this has done is even helped me, given me even more tools to teach the children how to be empathetic towards each other because we have children that have all types of different challenges. And what I tell them is that we all have challenges. Nobody, and I'll say this, nobody is what, and they'll be like, perfect, you're right. And so we all need different things at different times. And this has helped them to understand what someone may need or be empathetic if if another child is maybe acting out in a certain way, they don't look at them like, no, they know to be considered or they know to give them their space. You know what I mean? Or they know we know, okay, so that we need to get out of the room because sometimes I have those strong behavior issues where someone may need to come in and I need need to have some support. The kids, they know, and it's and it's okay, we're gonna go. And what I love about it, they don't hold it against that child. I may have a child, I have a child that might, you know, act out and maybe hit another child or t- you know, the kid. The next half hour, they know that that was just a part of their brain, that brain, they were in their amygdala and that brains are wired differently sometimes. And that's OK. They will continue to play. They're continuing to um, to play with that child, include that child in that child in with any partner work at recess. But we also have that restorative. So don't get me wrong. 
even if they're at, whether it's behavioral or whatever, they still, those children who maybe act out behaviorally or do things, they also know we're going to have that restorative time. So you, I had a child one time who just pushed all of my books and all of my um, bookshelves everywhere. That was fine. Once they got regulated again, they knew when we talked and they came and, okay, so now we need to get all of this cleaned up. <laughs> this is the restorative piece. <laughs> if you hurt someone where there's their feelings, their bodies, their, we're going to, this is their, this is what we're going to do. You need to restore those relationships. And so that's been huge, <laughs> huge with the kids because they need. And so I think another thing is that then when they see children or people or families out in public, they're not looking at them. If they see a child or someone that's acting differently, they're not looking at them because they, that's what they live. They know, hopefully for the most part, they're going to be empathetic. They might, you know, Oh, are you okay? Are you, that's what they're going to do. I don't want my babies judging or looking at other people like they're crazy or like they're different or like, no, we're all in this together. And this is the piece that really helps that because they are living it in their classroom in this school. So, you know, one of the things that often happen in, in, in school is that there are those that are really um, consequences or concerned about, you know, uh, we can't let this get over And when you take approaches, sometimes other approaches, uh, you know, like this, uh, you, you have anybody that's critical uh, that, that doesn't think that what you're doing is, is enough. Um, you know, and, and I would come from the point of view that, a lot of consequences for work. You know, what would benefit getting someone by suspending them or them, or you know, a number of these things get done to kids um, that now they're out of school. So, do you, do you ever hear those kinds of arguments? And and what would you say to that? Okay, so you were breaking up some, but I got the impression that you meant where teachers are saying, "Well, if they don't have consequences, you mean?" Yes. Okay. Um, so that's what, whether you call it consequences, whether you call it, because I know Dr. Lori calls it experiences. Um, no, children need to understand that your actions can affect someone else, can affect, there are going to be, there's going to be, whether you call it a consequence or experience, whatever, as a result of what you've done. And so you have to, that is a part of it. Now, I'm not going to try to have a consequence or an experience or something when that child is in their uh, dysregulate. Their their amygdala is full blown. They have what well, we we teach the kids to do this: flip their lid. There's no reason because all they hear is like I said before, like the Charlie Brown teacher, want want want. They're not feeling it. They're not going to. But what they do understand is right. once they get we get them regulated, then we can talk about. What should you do? What do you need to do to make this right? What could you have done differently? And what and that the perfect example of that is like the student that I said today that normally would have torn earlier in the year would have torn, you know, the room up or what. And but just stood because not only did we give them strategies, but I think, too, they start to realize, um, start to have better control. They know how their brain is controlling their body. They're working on controlling it. So being less impulsive, but also thinking about, oh, if I do this, then this is going to happen. 
mm-hmm. you know, and there mm-hmm. has to be some of that. It can't just all be, oh, we need to, you know, pat them on the back and they need to come and, and sit and this calm down. That's part of it. Yes. But they also have to have that next step, which is what do we need to do to make this right and hopefully to prevent this and to stop this from happening as much as it was before. Does does that make sense? Can you hear me? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I love the point you made about experiences over consequences. You know, we, mm-hmm. we learn from experiences. And I know that uh, Dr. Desitels makes that point frequently. Um, mm-hmm. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about was you mentioned a few times the amygdala reset bags. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit more about the amygdala reset bags? Sure. Um, Dr. Lori again, Lover had this idea. Let's put some different, some of the different tools that we had for the, um, for the children. Um, and so that they could use some of these different tools if they were getting, if they felt that they needed to. Um, so in the amygdala reset, for instance, she had the balancing birds. And so the kids could just balance. And then we, again, we teach them with whatever tools we have in the bag. We also, again, front loaded with teaching them how and when they can use them. And so if you are feeling yourself getting stressed, they because, again, they're testing a lot. Um, if you feel you're stressed about getting ready to take a test, they could get the balancing bird out. They could get the stress ball out with the yarn. And we made one for school. We made one for the for them to take home um, and show them how to use it. They went how to make them if they wanted to take them home. Um, she brought them like little sponge brains that they could like a screed stress ball that they could put in there. Um, just different tools that they might be able to use if they needed to. And different kids maybe needed different things. Um, and some of the kids even started creating maybe their own things um, that they wanted to have. They had a picture um, that they drew. Maybe they wanted a picture of a mom or their dad. One of the little um, guys, his dad is in prison. So he wanted a picture that they had taken and he wanted to keep that in there because that helped him to regulate. So we talked about that, but then we also talked about what the procedures or the protocol were when you have the amygdala bag. You can't just get up and just start, you know, doing having your balancing birds all, all around. We talked about being discreet and just doing what you need, taking five or minutes or so, putting it back, getting yourself, you know, regulated. And if you needed more time, what you could do then, which is you could reach out, they could reach out and let me know. Or if they needed to go to the calming corner, they could do that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so one, one of the other questions I have for you. So obviously, um, Dr. Desitels does a lot of teaching about this, but how are you, what, what, if anything, are you doing now to share what you're learning through this experience that you've had um, to other schools within your district or other schools outside of your district? Are, are, are you doing any, um, you know, training or workshops of any kind to, to help kind of spread the words about what's working? We do a little something, something. <laughs> we have what we do. We have, I am also an advisor lead, which means I support, um, we have advisor leads in their schools. And so we are you there? Can you hear me, uh, guy? Yeah, I can. I was, tr- I was trying to connect another way, but I, I don't know if it's any better. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Come in. Can you hear me, guy? Can you hear me, guy? Just a yeah, moment. Yeah. Can, you, can you hear me? 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? I don't think that worked. I, I was trying to connect another way to see if I might be able to get past the internet issue, but apparently oh, not. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> Let me are turn you? this off here. Yep, that okay. should be better. Okay. Uh, I thought that might work better. So are, okay. are you doing any kind of workshops or teaching or anything like that? Yes. To so share your it, yes, we are. So we are advisor leads in the district. There's um, Our school has three advisor leads. And so it just so happens that the fourth grade teacher that Dr. Um, Lori collaborates with and myself are both advisor leads. And so we support the staff with behavior if they need help with um, reaching out to families, building relationships with kids. So what we've done is we've taken what Dr. Lori has shown us and we have shared it with and done um training with the other advisor leads across the district. And again, via Zoom, since you know we had the pandemic, but we've also, every time Dr. Lori has been in our class, um, we are constantly taking video. We've always got our little cell phones ready. And so we've taken the video clips because, you know, we, we weren't able to get her into all of, the, all of the classes. And so we've made video clips of them. And then um, what we did was we added them um, and loaded them and made um, um, PowerPoints and added, um, I put a QR codes with them and then we've put them like in our workroom so that teachers can get access to them. And we made a graffiti board, which is one of the strategies that Dr. Lori had talked about for our students. You could have a graffiti board and you could put a question of the day up or a thought or kids could come in and write and share things on their graffiti board. Well, what we did was we made one for our staff and we put up, we made posters that had QR codes with the different strategies that Dr. Lori has shown us and we have videotapes of it and then the teachers could just use those and use their phones and, and pull up those videos and then they could also look to see the different strategies and learn how to use some of the different strategies that Dr. Lori is doing in our classrooms. Um, we also will be talking with and we have ongoing um, we've delivered a, a PD with our advisor leads like I said across the district and in the summer we'll be sharing with the advisor leads across the district and it's um, advisor leads from elementary up to high school. So then we're getting that out there as well. Um, and then with this summer, when we meet with them, we'll do some additional training. Mm -hmm. So we've been really trying to be real intentional about um, using what we learn and sharing it with the teachers um, across the district. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a question earlier, and, and I saw it, and I think I got sidetracked by my, my audio problem. But the question okay. was about um, using these strategies on older students, middle school students, and high right. school students. And, right. and have you worked with um, other teachers who have tried implementing these strategies? Uh, do you have any experience with that? Um, more so with... Um, just talking about the brain state, the middle school and high school, they have talked about just teaching the kids about that piece of it, yes. Um, not as much as far as the specific strategies um, that we have done, that Dr. Lori has done with us, but just empowering them, to, the students to know about how their brain and their body work together, um, coupled with, we do also a second step program. Um, so, and then we have uh, another program called Ripple Effects that has lots of different videos and that we utilize to help. It has different scenarios to help the students. So we've kind of used 
um, the older kids and the older the teachers with the older students have kind of used a little bit of um, all of it together more so than just specifically Dr. Lori's part yet that I know of. And that's right. just for me that I've spoken with yet. So we hadn't had a, a chance to really connect with the high school and middle school teachers yet to see once we did the PD what they've done yet. We hadn't really, you know, and how it's worked. We do know that they've taught them those parts of those components, but not to go more in depth yet. We haven't had a chance to do that part. Yeah. I mean, one of my hopes would be that, that in doing this, you know, working with kids, uh, elementary age kids is that you're making a lasting impact that's going to help them as they get to middle school and high school. And, and how wonderful will it be if the th strategies that you're teaching them now help them in, in what otherwise would become increasing challenges as they got older. So, you know, yeah. I think you certainly hope for an upstream effect, right? Absolutely. And I will say maybe not so much from the middle school and high school as far as the teachers, but I know my students have mentioned because they have older siblings. And I had a student say, oh, my my sister, she's been running away. I'm just not telling you this is real. This is right, real. Right, guy. Right. And my sister's been running away and she came home and mom was upset. And I just talked to my sister and I showed her um, how to do the, one of these strategies that Dr. Lori has taught us. And it was the the driving the car. Um, so they, the kids are using these in their lives and they're trying to share that. So at least we know that it's getting out into our community and it's getting out home. Um, and then we're talking to families about it as well. So it, it, it is starting to, to spread. Mm -hmm. That's great. And, and I will say you mentioned kind of some of the, uh, the things that you have planned in terms mm -hmm. of sharing some of this work. Um, and just it's an open invitation. If you pull together any kind of presentation you want to share uh, okay. with our audience, I'd love to, to have you back and share some of that. Uh, because I think, you know, um, people, you know, having you share this is really helpful. Um, but people like to see presentations and data and know kind of the impact. So uh, consider that an open invitation that Thank as you, you get things, we'd love to have you back. So let me hit a couple other questions that are here. Okay. Um, and uh, and let me find the question that I just had. Um, and as soon as, there we go. So we kind of hit a, a part of this earlier. So this is again, it's from Gail says, Lori, do you see this work transferring to staff and how they manage their challenging students? Because I feel the adults need this as much as the kids. They may be trauma affected themselves. And who is that from? Preach it, Gail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, and that's what I kind of alluded to before is that um, we've kind of gone on this journey together with the children, um, as far as the children and, and the teachers. And as we are trying to share, and let me say this, with high school and middle school, we've only done a little bit of PD. With our school specifically, Dr. Lori has done more PD. I need to I need to clarify that. She's done more specific PD with our staff here at Harrison Hill. So our teaching staff here, um, all of our staff. And so, yes, I do see that it is transferring because what we can tell is by the data. And don't give my assistant principal talking. We look, she, she's data driven and we look at how many office calls 
and we look at grade level, we look at time of day, we look at teachers. And what we've noticed is that even with the pandemic, and even though, you know, some of the numbers were down here in Indiana, and I don't know, you know, how it is everywhere else, but like I have 24 students, I've had in-person kids, we have, uh, our students could come back. And so the only ones who are virtual were parents who wanted to keep their students virtual. So having said that, we've noticed that we just looked at, we had a meeting yesterday and looked at that, the data for certain, especially specific teachers who, because they have, you know, when in schools, you'll have maybe teachers who make more calls um, because maybe they struggle to, cre to create those relationships. Well, we've noticed that certain teachers and maybe who would have made more frequent calls have made fewer calls. We see in teachers call, um, talking and working with their children, we see a teacher may call and instead of calling to have a child removed, they call to have the assistant principal or advisor lead or someone come um, or the principal come take over the class so they can step outside and talk to the student themselves mm -hmm. because they don't want that relationship broken. So, mm -hmm. yes. So, Gail, yes, we have definitely seen. Uh, now, is it perfect? No, even myself, I'll go to my amygdala, you know, like what? But the next day we start over. We are in love again. Let's do this. We've got this. And that's what makes the difference. And that's what I think the teachers also are helping each other mm -hmm. and they're willing to help and have a more honest conversation and talk when your teacher is saying they're da, 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 da. OK, so but let's 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 think about it. Are you your amygdala? Let's talk about it is this, let's look at it from the different perspective. What about the child? Where where were they at? What was going on? Were they tired? Did they do this? Did they, you know, so we're having those conversation and having a more honest conversation with each other as well. So Gail, yes, I do think it is definitely transferring. And again, the kids are able to advocate for themselves and the teachers, again, because of the pandemic, we all realize it, anxiety, depression, I mean, it's it's real. And so teachers have been even more aware of this, too, and have been even more open to using these strategies that Dr. Lori is is sharing about our brain state. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's really critical because, you know, too often in, in my experience and, and I think the experience of others, it's a it's a adult um, mm -hmm. when a child becomes uh, escalate it. Sometimes the adult, rather than de-escalating the situation, inadvertently escalates it. And, 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 and sometimes, uh, uh, let's keep it real, guy. And sometimes, it, intentionally, let's let's just keep it real. You okay? I'm, I'm, okay. Sometimes they <laughs> okay. will. Sure, sure. Just, it's like because you think about sometimes it's like okay, so in bed, I'm going to get this child out of my room. Right. So right I'm going. Right. Oh, oh, yeah. Let's keep yeah, it real. Yeah. 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 Well, no, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know. I always want to assume the best, but, you know, certainly mm -hmm. I've seen situations like mm -hmm. that um, where, in, in fact, I've heard stories about, uh, you know, behavior folks who have come in and said, we're going to try to set this child off. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it yeah. is really upsetting, yeah. um, you know, yeah. because of the impact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so, but it is, it is so important that, mm -hmm. that, you know, um, that people understand this in, in their own brain state, because that has so much influence. Our, our, you know, I'm trying to think of who to attribute the quote to, but the the whole idea that our our emotions are contagious. You know that yeah. that 
if we're escalated, we're not going to be able to de-escalate a child who is escalated. Um, so I think that's a, a really good thing to, to bring up as well. I have another question here I'm going to bring up from Brooke. It's kind of a long one. Uh, and Brooke, uh, Brooke Daly said, you know, sorry, this is long. My son struggles with regulating his emotions. He has a large vocabulary, but he uh, has an expressive and receptive language disability. He has worked hard on learning the color zones um, of regulation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, go ahead. When, <laughs> when he's very upset. <laughs> he will say that he can't tell what color he is or Aww. practice his breathing after he always says he was in the blue zone, sad zone, but a bystander would assume that he was in the red, red or angry, red. right, or escalating. Uh, and then she said that uh, I struggle with the consequence after because he is, and then we, uh, I think we lost the rest of it, but. Um, okay, no. so, go, go ahead. Mm -hmm. no, no, I was going to ask you your thoughts. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So let me say this too. Something that we, we have done as well is, and, and we used it. We used to do more with the zones, and because of Dr. Lori, we haven't really been using the colors, but those can be beneficial. And so, what we might do too is we would have a child um, who, when we're walking um, down the hall, and maybe we're trying to get them regulated, and or they're running, and they don't need to be running, and and another teacher sees them. So we can have where we will have maybe the teacher who is with them or the parent or whoever's with them have something that has the color zone on it so that they know how they're feeling. Maybe he can have something that he can point to that, you know, I feel this is how I feel. Um, and showing him how if he has peers, if he, and I couldn't tell if he is at school and let me just bring it to my kids, they can start to advocate for a child who may not be able to put it into the words, how they are feeling. And what we can do is when they're not in that zone, talking about it and acting out how they feel. Okay. So what is that? And then the kids can have, you know, they might have colors and, and not that child being the one doing it, but they're all just talking about it in general. Let's talk about, let's just, let's just, um, we're going to um, act out out some different ways. What do you think they're feeling? What do you think they're feeling this way? Put it up. Oh, could they also be doing feeling this way, especially with the masks that came up that it can be, you're, you may not really know just by seeing somebody's eyes, how they're really feeling. And you could just jump to conclusions or how they're really um, feeling by the way that they act or the way that they sound. And for me, that is making their, the, the people who are in their community understand whether it's their peers, whether it's other teachers, whether it's related arts teachers, helping him understand how to show how he is feeling. And when he is not upset, giving him those tools to show. Are you there, Guy? I'm sorry, you just went yeah, out. Yeah, no, I blinked out there for a second, but um, fortunately, you, you kept going. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and somebody else mentioned, as you were saying this, uh, and I'm trying to find their quote again, but it was something about, you know, kind of offering nonverbal or non, mm -hmm. uh, you know, options mm -hmm. as well. And I think you kind of mm -hmm. did on that. Um, mm -hmm. That's great. Um, and I wanted to hit, we have an, another comment here from Lori, and I know we were talking about middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and Lori said, we're working with sixth grade right now. Uh, they're learning about their nervous system and focused attention practices and brain intervals right now. So middle school lo uh, students love this uh, work. So absolutely, in, in response to that question earlier, uh, you know, this is an approach that is being used on you know, students in both uh, middle school and elementary school. And again, hopefully uh, as you're working your way up, you know, these practices are helping kids 
as they're moving further along. Um, yes, yeah, absolutely. I have one of the sixth graders and I have kids who touch, who check in with me. And so the fifth and sixth graders, they might come and they check in with me. And one of them, I said, you know, he plays basketball. I said, are you going to be on, you know, we're starting, they're starting a, a, a league like, and he said, well, yeah, he said, I've got to get my, I've just got to get my, <laughs> um, get regulated and make sure that I have my attitude together and work on some of my, do some, use some of those brain intervals so I can keep myself um, regulated so that I can talk to the assistant principal and then he's going to go and advocate for himself and say, okay, so I think I've got it together. He's got a plan. So, I mean, it's, it's just across the board. And then as these sixth graders get into middle school and they're going to be using and talking about focused attention practices and the brain intervals and what do they need to do? And my kids are talking a lot with the focused attention practices, especially when they're trying to do their work and the prefrontal. I mean, it to come in and you would not believe that you would hear th third graders using this terminology, but not just using it, but understanding right. it and applying right. it. It's phenomenal. Absolutely amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. And and so important. I mean, you know, as you begin to understand the way that you work yourself, um, you know, being able to 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 better uh, you know, work, you know, you're teaching kids self-regulation, you're teaching kids, yeah. uh, you know, a host of strategies. Um, so one of the questions I saw earlier was asking about where people can go to get more on this. And of course, uh, I put a link into the, the um, uh, chat here uh, to, to uh, Dr. Desitel's book, which is fantastic. Yes, that's it. Connections <laughs> and what I, what I love about her book, and, and probably what you love about it as well, is there's so many actual resources and, and things in there that teachers can use. It's not just all theory. And I remember you made that comment yeah. earlier and I remember you telling me another version of that comment when you did, and it was <laughs> so meaningful is, is this is not just somebody that, you know, uh, has some educational background in, in teaching, but this is somebody that has been working in the classroom that is changing her approach as she works with you and others um, and, and really phenomenal. So the book is a great place, but are there other resources that you would recommend people to check out if they want to learn more? Um, just, I, I can't with, anything um and dr Lori, because she sends me all of the resources but um when you get on and you you know if you google as far as the um focus attention practices and the brain intervals there's lots of like different um youtube um videos and things that will show one thing that i if you if you've ever not shown this or if you've ever one thing that got the kids to see um talk about neuroplasticity which yes they use the terminology if you've ever seen the little video of um the little boy that learned how to do the cups stacking the cups and then it shows how his brain and how it is just building up and the neuro the neurons um, and how he is learning it and it's teaching and it's just building those pathways in the brain. That is a wonderful and maybe guy, I can send that link. And if you want to share it or put it out, that is wonderful. That has stuck with my kids. And so that when they're learning anything, whether it's multiplication facts, they're learning, telling time, they're like, okay, the pathways, I got to do some more. The pathways are building. I got to build on it. And that gets them and they're not the prefrontal cortex. So anything like that, um, and Dr. Lori, I'm sure, has lots of different resources, but I her book um, and then any of the videos and things like that that I can do and show the kids. Um, that's what I, I that's what I I just use those. And Dr. Lori, I'm just lucky because I get to have Dr. Lori and I I get to see her in action and, and videotape. So, 
Yeah, that, no, that that's absolutely great. And, and I know as well that the and I'm going to put the link in the um, the chat about this. But we talked about it early uh, in in the discussion today. Um, she also teaches at Butler University and mm -hmm. has a program in applied educational neuroscience. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that's a graduate certificate that people yes. can do. And, yes. and I know she's got people all over the country that are doing that. Mm -hmm. And and I know that you said that that one day you you're interested in doing that. I am too. <laughs> I've told I've told her before. I'm like. I want to. I want to go through your program at some point. Um, so lots, lots of great uh, resources for sure. And I can um, just real quick just say she connects all of her resources because she even had us as advisor leads, and we um, zoomed with her grad class. I mean, it's just she has got, and then we learned a different brain interval that we took to the kids, and then the kids have taken that brain chocolate and taken that brain interval, and they've done. I mean, it's just Dr. Lori just uses everything, just like she uses her whole body, brain. She uses all of her resources and makes sure that they connect and learn and from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you you are doing some amazing work, and and you know I, I feel so inspired listening to you that that you know if I wasn't uh, many states away, I, I think I'd want to come. Uh, if I had a kid in your your grade, I think I'd want to come move there. I mean, th this is really fantastic, fa fantastic uh, things that you're doing here, Thank and you, um, you know it, it's so uh, amazing to get a chance to to hear. You know, I mean, I, I love when you I love when you were like, you know this shit works. It works. It really works. You know, um, you know, it's so great to hear, you know, about approaches that, you know, I mean, you know, th there's lots of ideas out there. There's lots of training out there, but when you can see it, when the children that you're working with and see them be successful, uh, I mean, it means so much. So, um, really, really appreciate you taking time to, to talk to uh, me today. And, uh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I apologize about all the technical delays, or issues that we've had here. I've never had this kind of issue before, but this, is, this has been one of the most enjoyable conversations that I've had doing this. It, you know, it really, um, you know, you're, you're really inspiring. And of course, yeah, uh, you, you know, the work that Dr. Desatels is doing is, is amazing. Yes. Uh, we feel really fortunate to, to uh, have her as an ally and the work that we're doing uh, at the Alliance and uh, to have the ability to work with her. She's she's written some articles for us and really does amazing stuff. She's so phenomenal. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so thank you for all of that you're doing and helping to make that get that information out here so that families, so that teachers, so that educators can can learn. Because we like I said, 28 years, I'm still learning. Right. We right. can never get enough learning and to do and to do better. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I often say that in, in regards to the alliances like, you know, um, we, we can and must do better. And, yes. and if we can do better, we, we have an obligation. And, yes. and this is it. I mean, you know, so many things that we've seen that don't work, um, you know, we've got to embrace the things that do. And, you know, I think yes. that unfortunately sometimes, and, and you'll, you'd probably be more blunt about it than I would, but sometimes education really lags. I mean, you know, yes. we're decades behind on certain yes. things and, and this knowledge is out there and, and mm -hmm. makes such a big difference in the long run in, in, in children's lives and their families. So, yes. Thank you so much today for, for joining us. Uh, I definitely like to put you on the hook for coming back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to show my face here again, just uh, and, and see if it works. Please show uh, your face, guys. There, there you go. There you, I, I'm sorry. You know, next time I'll have to have at least a, a photo there. Um, and uh, you know, thank you all that attended today and joined us for this. Uh, I would encourage you. You know, if you're you're a parent, uh, share it with your your teachers. If you're a teacher, share it with your families. Uh, this really can make a, a tremendous uh, difference in, in children's lives and, and families' lives. Um, 
such a such a pleasure. So thank you so much, Lori. And thank I'm going to skip the normal announcement, but I'll, I'll just say that we do have another session coming up in two weeks. We're going to be talking about police and schools in two weeks. So mm. be sure to join us for that conversation. Uh, and uh, Lori, we will we will get you on the hook again because okay. this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> and I hope you've had a lot of fun too. I did. Thank you. All right. And thank you, Dr. Lori. Love you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. See you, guy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.